0: broadcasting live from atlanta georgia it's time for top docs radio brought to you by women's telehealth whose mission is to bring scarce high-risk maternal fetal medicine services to patients and referring obstetricians in their own community urban or rural visit womenstelehealth.com for more information now here are your hosts tanya mack and cw hall What is up, everyone? It is CW. Thanks for joining us on the Top Docs Radio Show. We have Tanya Mack from Women's Telehealth with us in the studio, and it is Women's Health Week. It is Women's Health Week nationally. It is like the
1: 30-something year that we've celebrated women's health. So the whole idea of it is to empower women to make their health a priority and to take time out to reflect on how we can improve our health over our time. And prevention certainly is key. I think women sometimes, CW, think that they are just too busy. You know, we get busy with life and busy as caregivers, and we're the last one on the list. So hopefully today we'll learn a little bit about taking care of ourselves. And we have as our guest today, Dr. Ann Patterson. Welcome, Dr. Patterson. Thank you. And she's a board-certified OBGYN and past president of the OBGYN Society. And she's going to be talking to us about screening tests and lifestyle changes and things we can do to help take care of ourselves. She has her master's in aerospace engineering from Georgia Tech. She's been a previous guest with us before. She's we, like
0: a rocket scientist. She
1: is actually a rocket scientist. I think, didn't we buy you a t-shirt one time says, I actually am a rocket scientist. <laughs> and um, went on to go to medical school at Emory and did her OBGYN residency and her Maternal-Fetal Medicine Residency, both at Emory. She currently is the CEO of Women's Telehealth, our company that sponsors this show. And we're happy to have you here And during Women's Health Week. Thank you. Glad to be here. Very good. So let's start at the beginning. I want to start about, we talked about uh, just at the opening about prevention is a big key to getting and ke- keeping healthy. Um, and we know that as girls. I mean, our moms teach us, go get your well woman checkup. Go. We know that piece of it but we just don't do it. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, I I just want to take a minute and say, young moms really need to instill this in their daughters, that they need to take care of themselves. And you start by taking care of yourself. And the, the children in the household see this. Mom takes care of herself. And that includes a healthy lifestyle. And so, you know, if you don't eat right, if you drink too much, if you never sleep, if you smoke, all of these things are unhealthy lifestyles, and these are the things your children are seeing. And believe it or not, we do emulate our parents. And so it's really important that children see a healthy lifestyle. So I want to encourage all young moms to really embrace a healthy lifestyle. Not only but does it help your children and your daughters specifically, but it helps you. And I would say one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in medical school was a professor who said, "Who is the first person you should take care of?" And everybody, oh, the patient and he goes wrong answer. <laughs> so then people came around, well, maybe you know my family get my family's healthy he goes, wrong answer. The most important person that you can take care of is yourself because if you're healthy and you're well, then you can see that your family stays healthy and well and then, you can take good care of your patients. So it's still the same. You should take good care of yourself. And prevention is the first step. A healthy lifestyle, first step as well. And then your children see this. And then as the years pass and you age, you get the benefit of having a healthy lifestyle and having taken care of yourself and preventive care or early care if a problem arises. All of those things are very
1: important. That's a good point. It's not just what we say. Our children see what we do, and we kind of tend to forget we're the role models every day by our actions. I think that's probably very true. Well, let's talk about some of the obvious things first and get them out of the way. The big preventive screenings for women. So let's start with mammograms. When should women start getting mammograms? How long
2: do we get them? What's the frequency? Kind of What are the, the rules of the road? Well, the rules of the road really are starting at age 50, you should start with mammograms. Usually you get them every two years until you're somewhere around 75, and then discuss with your provider how often you should get them after that. Uh, No one enjoys them. They're not a very pleasant test. However, I want to back up a little bit. I think any time you go to the gynecologist, they're going to do a breast exam. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that they show you or you ask about self-breast exam. Mm -hmm. Because more women find a problem in their breast than anybody else. It's not your doctor. It's It's not your your husband. It's been well documented that the patients find them first. Right. And so self-breast exam is really important. Knowing your family history is really important. And today there's a lot of uh, availability and genetic testing if you uh, have a strong family history or multiple people in the family who've had breast cancer you have that advantage. And so in those situations, you need to talk to your doctor at length about, do we start mammograms sooner than that? But to start with in just a low-risk person, self-breast exam. And is there a good time of the month to do that, or does not really matter? I know we talk about women in the
1: shower and techniques and all that kind of stuff, but just kind of regularly. Probably mid-cycle.
2: Okay. In a, in a a woman actively menstruating. Okay,
1: and what about if you do? If I'm one of those women who does have a history in my family, like my mother has breast cancer, when should would I wait till I'm fifty to get a mammogram? What would be the beginning point for me?
2: Well, obviously it depends on when she started having problems and what the family history is. You certainly should probably start more towards age forty than fifty mm-hmm. uh, in that situation, depending on also when she had. Mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. And self breast exams begin. I advocate them early. Uh, young women in their 20s should I should, so should know how to do a self breast exam mm-hmm. and should do it. This is and then they learn what's normal for them. Right. I mean if you just take a step back in Atlanta everybody uses a vehicle. It's a big integral part of our life and when the road doesn't function it's as it's supposed to oh, yeah. traffic is a real problem and the last thing you want Is your vehicle to break down and traffic be a a real problem both for you and everybody else? So you get your oil changed. You, They check the fluids. uh, You make sure you have good tires. You air up your tires if you need to. This is all preventive maintenance. Mm -hmm. This is something you do so you don't have a problem. And this is exactly what you should do as a woman. You should look at all the preventive things you need to do and see that you do them on a regular basis. And this is just part of making sure you have a long, healthy life. Yeah, I think uh, we're in a community or
1: time where instant gratification is really important to people, so they really don't get the the patterns that you lay down in your life. Now you really benefit for on down the road, way on down the road. Okay, so let's move along to pap smears. So that's our second big one for cervical screening, cervical cancer screening. So when do they start? And now we
2: now in the last 10, 15 years, we're talking about HPV. Right. So why don't you address that? So we've we've gone from having to do pap smears much more frequently to much less frequent because we know that the real root cause of, of uh, cervical cancer is HPV, And fortunately, we have a vaccine, and every young woman and every young man, uh, as they approach their teens, should be vaccinated. Uh, The pediatricians have done a really great job in trying to promote this and get it done. And so long term, it has helped reduce the risk from HPV, which has been the uh, real cause of uh, cervical cancer. So the need for pap smears has lessened so that you don't have to go every year to get one done. But starting at age 18, or if you're sexually active before, the uh, recommendation is every three years, and that pretty much goes through until about age 40, when it goes to every five years. But so that's it, actually, yeah, that's a lot less than we used yes, to Yes, it is.
0: I was curious it's, about your perspective. I've had this conversation about this very topic with some moms, and they had some concerns having heard that there were some side effects and things like that, or possible negative aspects of getting that vaccine. Can you talk to that?
2: Yes. No, I don't know of any negative aspects. And the risk is minuscule and it prevents the young woman or the young man from carrying in his situation or the young woman from getting HPV, which can lead to cervical cancer. And, you know, you really think about all the wonderful things you could get to almost like a... A magic pill to prevent you from getting cancer, this is the situation. And uh, it's a series of shots. However, I've not really seen anybody that's had a problem with it. You're protected for life. And eventually, if if enough people are are vaccinated,
0: you're going to probably eradicate some of this virus. From what I understand, it it ends up being similar to HSV-1, the cold sore virus that, I mean, for the unprotected population, I guess by the time they're adult age like we are in the room, a very high prevalence of it being carried by many individuals. I mean, well over 50%.
2: That's correct. And, and you can really prevent this and prevent having to have frequent pap smears or cervical surgery or even worse, cancer surgery where you both lose your uterus and um, no dissection and chemotherapy and Lots of things that you can just prevent by having a vaccine.
1: I think we're in the age where for school-age children, there's a whole issue, not for today, but the whole vaccination or not to vaccinate issue with a group of people right now. And so they just hear vaccine and HPV, which is totally different than MMR or something like that, kind of gets lumped in that. And the age for the HPV vaccine is middle school, 12, Oh no, around 12, yes. 12 and up. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, thanks for weighing in on that. Let's see. Let's talk about um, a couple of other screenings. When we get older, bone density. So we have baby boomers. They're aging. They're women. They fall. Broken hips just sound like the beginning of the end to me. So I know uh, bone density we used to not hear a lot about, but we're actually are hearing more about that. Can you speak about that?
2: Yes. A uh, recommendation is to have, certainly discuss with your doctor about getting a bone density done at starting at age 50. It does definitely play a role in uh, family history. Or I should say, family history definitely plays a role. Obviously, uh, people who smoke have had a have more likelihood of having osteoporosis. So once again, lifestyle is very important in preventing problems down the road. But uh, starting at age fifty, you should discuss this and probably get one done. You should at least have one by age sixty-five. And then repeated screening, depending on the outcome of that. Mm-hmm. And that's for checking for osteoporosis? Process, correct. And what is that? A lot of people that don't know what that is, what, well, it's, what it's is that? it's bone loss, uh, <coughs> basically, uh, demineralization of some of the bone. And uh, it leaves you more susceptible to having broken bones. So how is the test done? It's a screening test where they actually look at the small bones in your uh, hands and feet. So it, it it's a specific, so it's non-invasive, very non-invasive, very specific machine that looks at this and then it's graded. Okay,
1: so you'd have to go to an imaging center or maybe your right. OBGYN GYN would have one. Correct. Okay, so, uh, and what is that called, DEXA scan? Yes. DEXA scan. Um, so make sure women that in part of your preventive health, you're thinking of your bones for sure. And I know another screening test that we want to talk about, especially for older women as we age, is screening for
2: colon cancer. If that's very important. Once again, family history is uh, important in this as well, but colon cancer is a, a important screen to be tested for. It's recommended, it's starting at age 50, that you be screened for this, depending on what the findings are, and there are some new tests for screening, but you may end up needing a colonoscopy and may need several of these as, to be repeated as you age, and it's done Depending on the needs, somewhere around every five years. Okay, so
1: I know that used to be nobody wanted to have this done. Now it's kind of like, uh, go in, clean your gut out, take a, go to sleep, wake up, everything's good, go to breakfast or something like that. It's, <laughs> yeah, like it's a, pretty simple. It's like a nice nap, I think, yeah. people. So colonoscopy is the beginning point, right? Correct. And then after that, is it every five years up until a certain age?
2: Usually up uh, through age 75. But as I say, there are some very new Less invasive tests that are just starting out there regarding this, so they may it may lengthen out, but right now it's still every five years. What about what's your opinion about the home screening, like the the stool sample? It's one of the newer tests, uh-huh. and it's certainly feasible to pick up uh, abnormal cells that way. Uh-huh.
1: So it might be a precursor, but certainly if it's because I know a lot of people are into home testing, Mm -hmm. and certainly you see those kits kind of everywhere. So if you mail it in and you had some kind of positive screen, then you might want to follow it up with a
2: colonoscopy. Absolutely, but they should be done in um, with the recommendation of the physician. Mm -hmm. And I think they have to be ordered. You just
1: don't walk in. You just don't walk in and have one. Um, Okay, let's move along a little bit. This is an interesting
2: topic: sexually transmitted diseases. That is a very important topic, and everybody that's sexually active is at risk. And so we recommend that everybody that is sexually active have screening for this, including chlamydia, gonorrhea, uh, syphilis, and HIV. And the most important message I feel is protect yourself. And the Best way to protect yourself, obviously, if you're sexually active, is for, for a woman to make sure her partner uses a condom or for the man for, to use a condom. That is the best way to help prevent the sexually transmitted diseases. But if you're sexually active, you certainly need to be screened for these. So are there any
1: trends? Like I, I hear a lot in the news about these retirement communities. That is one of the number one problems
2: that we have in retirement communities. Unfortunately, that is true. I was visiting a, with a physician friend of mine in Florida where there is an extremely large retirement community in nearby and it was just recently published uh, right before my visit that this was the highest place for STDs in the country and it was just mind-boggling that this could be the the issue but unfortunately it is very much an issue. Yeah, I'd like to bring home the point too just
1: about you mentioned HIV testing and I think a lot of people just assume they're not exposed. Right. Um, they just did you know, have a partner or whatever. But I, I remember early in my career, I met a woman who was 60 years old and did not realize that her husband had been exposed. And then he exposed her. She, ha- she was clueless. Mm-hmm. She was just clueless. So
0: um, I think that's good advice that you give. From what I understand, that even at the college level now, that there is a very significant problem with the rate of occurrence of STDs in general, but HIV in particular... If you look around the Atlanta area, I guess the colleges here are experiencing pretty significant surges in the, the presence of HIV among the students. Do you think that's students. because,
1: you know, it, back in the 80s and 90s when we first learned a lot, there was so much in the news yes. all the time.
0: I think it went to sleep And Now
1: news. I think that with the new younger generation, sometimes it's like, unless you're in Africa, we don't even hear about that. That's right. Um, and because now we have celebrities like Magic Johnson that have lived with HIV for 30 years or plus. right it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind, I think, more than we have had at any point in time since it was diagnosed and we first learned about it. So
2: I think maybe some re-education with the younger generation. I think that's definitely true. And I do think that young people often think they're just bulletproof. It's not going to happen to me. And once again, this is back to if you've learned at home to take care of yourself, it's a little more in the forethought of your mind because otherwise, in that generation, people really just don't think that anything could happen to them. And that's not the case. So prevention and good care of yourself is once again vital in all of these. So you're an OBGYN. Do you have any advice on talking to daughters
1: that are becoming sexually active?
2: Well, I think you need to be very upfront and I know we're in the Bible Belt, so. honest yeah. about what's going on. And I think you, it may definitely need to be a one-on-one conversation in a situation where both of you are comfortable and making certain that the young woman feels very comfortable expressing her opinions and not being judgmental about this. Because the most important thing a mother can have is a good dialogue with her daughter and have the daughter feel comfortable either talking to her or making sure that she has a a medical professional that she can talk to about things that she would otherwise feel uncomfortable about. Mm -hmm. I only had sons, and I was very upfront with them about taking care of themselves, always uh, making sure that they would understand to protect themselves, and they uh, always would roll their eyes and groan about, uh, oh, mother, I don't want to hear that about that again. And so I do understand that it's difficult, and I would always counter back at them at sex is my profession, I'm just legal. And then they would be really grossed out, but they would start laughing, and then we could get on to discuss
1: what we needed to. Yeah, so certainly bring it up and get a comfortable environment and make sure your kids are educated. Think of the key messages there.
0: And it's not protective to think, well, I'm I'm not homosexual, I don't engage in homosexual activity. It's not mm-hmm. confined to the homosexual population. All it takes is somebody who is both hetero and homosexual and in in well, that chain of partners. Or and has used cross-
2: IV. I, I, yes, yeah, the lady that I was talking of, about with oh, her yeah. husband's
1: exposure was actually um, through intercourse with a prostitute that had had IV drugs. Yeah. So, And we have an epidemic now of That's heroin right. on our streets, an opioid epidemic. And um, I think uh, especially the young people, you know, Dr. Patterson brings up a good point. Just make sure you're educated, make sure you protect yourself and don't think that it's going to happen to somebody else. I think those are all good um, pieces of advice. Well, Dr. Patterson, let's move along to a couple of other screening tests. We're ta- We're hitting on a broad range of topics. Um, we're going to move kind of into our more systemic kind of issues here. Let's talk a little bit about screening for cholesterol and blood sugar. We're kind of getting into just, just the annual checkup kind of thought here.
2: Well, first off, I think blood pressure plays a role in all of our lives. So, you know, you need to have your blood pressure checked every couple of years. And if it's above 120 over 80, But below the 140 over 90 number, you know, you need to to have that done every year. If it gets into the 140 over 90 range, then you need to talk to your doctor about what you need to do because keeping your blood pressure down is key to being healthy for a long, long time. And that's heart health, preventing a heart attack, preventing a stroke. All those things are very important. It is also tied to cholesterol. So periodically... With the advice of your doctor, you should have cholesterol evaluated. And truly, the best tests are very specific and sent to very specific labs. But in those situations, you really do need to know. Now, if you have a history in your family of heart disease or stroke or hypertension or high blood pressure, you really do need to have a long and good conversation with your physician sometime in your 30s to 40s about what do I need to do? in addition to just having your blood pressure checked, just having your cholesterol checked. Once again, a healthy lifestyle is important. Being active, having good uh, exercise where you get your heart rate up is all important in uh, maintaining health. And certainly in those situations where you're susceptible to have those kind of problems, that's very, very helpful. Then if you move from cholesterol into other screening uh, diabetes is another the so blood sugar. Blood sugar is very important, and keeping that under control. If you have high blood pressure, it is also important to be screened for elevated glucose because sometimes they do go hand in hand. So, as part of a well woman
1: checkup, outside of your mammogram and pap smear, do you do a blood test like a CBC? So
2: what you would. For a complete screening, they would, once you go into the office, they will check your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Ask them what it is. Mm -hmm. Know what your weight is. That's important as well. And if there has been any problem in your past or in your family, so that's important History. history, they will get blood work done. So they'll look at a CBC, which looks at your blood count. Are you anemic or are you not? In addition, they can do a metabolic screening. And that will look at just a random glucose value as well as other electrolytes. Just to give you a baseline. Right. And so it's important of- that you know what these values are, what they mean, and keep them in a file and keep up with them.
1: So again, just kind of knowing what's normal for you is important. And I'm, I'm trying to think. My husband takes his blood pressure like every three times a week at home. So availability even at the grocery store or plenty of at home, Blood pressure, cough, certainly available to everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you touched on weight as an important metric to look at and keep track of. We're all uber sensitive to that. Um, but obesity is affects a lot of things and keeps us at risk for many, many things. So you alluded to diabetes. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, I don't think people think of obesity and think in terms of body mass index or what's a metric that I can use? How do I get that measured?
2: Right. Well, it is a metric. Body mass index looks at your weight versus your height, and uh, there are many different tools out there to calculate it. Kind of a rough rule of thumb, if you're at a body mass index of 30, you are considered overweight or obese. And unfortunately, in my practice, I am seeing more and more women who have very high body mass indexes and in fact, I saw a patient last week with one of 64. That's kind of scary. Uh, but if you are over 30 or 40 or 45 or 50 or good heaven, 64, you definitely are very much overweight. And weight affects your heart. It affects your blood pressure. It affects your glucose metabolism. And all of those things can affect your health. So a really high body mass index is something that is concerning. It's something that does affect long-term outcome and how people, uh, how people's health evolves. And so I really encourage people to try to keep their body mass index under 30, even less than that if possible. And once again, that's how you eat, a good healthy lifestyle, uh, being active, physically active, all those things really improve and how we'll is that, that measured?
1: It's like little calipers. Do you go to a dietitian to get that measured? Do you go to a doctor to get that measured? Where do you, Where? how does that,
2: do- how would I know? Your doctor's office, it's a very easy test. Okay. Because what they're going to do is, especially with the electronic me- medical record today, they're going to measure your weight and right. they're going to measure your height and they're going to put it in the electronic medical record. It'll and they'll calculate it. it. And it cal- it calculates it's, a calculation, it. Okay, it's a calculation. And they're going to tell you exactly what your BMI okay. is. All right. So just be informed.
1: Right. I can't tell you, I've seen hundreds of thousands of patients go through doctor's office. It always astounds me as a nurse when patients go and get all of their vital signs and everything, they never ask, what was my blood pressure? Right. What was my blood pressure? What was my weight? They never ask what, so they don't know really what's normal for
2: them. Well, it's no secret. I tell patients, this record is not my record. This is your record. While I'm the custodian of it, you are really the captain of your healthcare team. Nobody can do this better than you. And so you need to know what's in there. You need to know all about it. Because this is not only just your health, this is your life. And you are in control. I'm here to help you. I'm here to give you advice, give you encouragement, give you a prescription if you need it, uh, do what kind of tests are needed. But it's really up to you. Right. Yeah, you can't
1: do that. You can't do it. Okay. So another area I want to talk about that really we don't talk about very often or women don't talk about is taking care of our mental health. So I know you, uh, I think sometimes when the women go to see their OBGYN, they don't talk to anybody else. They don't talk to their spouse. They don't talk to their kids. They don't talk to their mom, but you guys kind of get unloaded on. So (laughs) talk talk a little bit about what you see and what advice do you have with, um,
2: with women in mental health? Well, first, I think it's a real privilege that women feel comfortable talking to their OBGYN about the issues in their lives and, and how it affects them. And um, so I, I, I feel like we're honored in that we are given that opportunity to help people. But I think it means that we have to have a great deal of understanding of the different types of uh, mental issues and emotional challenges that people uh, face and what to guide them to do. And obviously, sometimes it's to send them directly to see a psychiatrist or psychologist or social worker that uh, deals with uh, mental health issues. So we have to be pretty well versed in those sorts of issues. The first and foremost is getting them to discuss what their problems are and trying to help them work through what, issues they're facing in their lives and or at home, and then guiding them to where they need to go to obtain the right kind of help. So is that
1: part of, like, if you went in for your annual checkup, would you be asking them, like, how would that come up? Or would you bring it up?
2: Yeah, we, we often ask, how are you doing? Are there issues at home? Are, typically, you ask about the spouse and children, and mm-hmm. are they faced with any particular issues or challenges? And usually, very non-specific questions mm-hmm. will encourage people to tell you mm-hmm. what is really going on with them. What do
1: you mostly see? Like I know in your practice, you see a lot of um, depression and stress, stress management issues. Right. Do you have any tips on
2: getting help or some self-screening or things? things tips. Well. American College of or American Congress now of obstetrics and Gynecology does have a screening tool mm-hmm. that are that uh, they have put out and is available in a lot of offices uh, Different pl- people have chosen to use it in different ways either as a self screen or having one of the medical professionals in the office administer that to them it just kind of depends but one of the common questions that we tend to always ask is, You know, how are you dealing with this? How is, you know, your life going? And are you coping with the challenges that you have? And you would be surprised at the very, very varied answers that we get. Mm -hmm. So, again, just
1: go get some resources, get some help, bring it up with your doctor. They can guide you to the right resources. Correct. But don't forget about the mental health aspect of your health.
2: Right. Right. Once again, you are the most important person you can take care of. And if you're stressed out and having difficulties at home and screaming at the kids constantly, you need to take a step back and say, okay, I need to take care of myself first. Yeah. All right.
1: Okay, so we're going to end with kind of where we began. This Women's Health Week. We're trying to empower women and educate them about keep up today so that you can reap the rewards tomorrow with your health. And also to generally promote a lifestyle, healthy lifestyle. So we'll circle back to a healthy lifestyle. You mentioned up front, eat well, get enough sleep, exercise, exercise, manage your stress, no smoking, be safe. Um, Any other tips that you would have as an OBGYN? If you could give our listeners as an OBGYN just some strategies to encourage them to make a few lifestyle change, what would you say?
2: Take some time for yourself. Make sure that in that time for yourself, you examine what do I need to do to stay healthy and strong. It's not about going to have cosmetic surgery or Botox injections. It starts way before that, and it means some time for me to stay healthy, and therefore I can promote the health of my family. Right. I think
1: the big message I heard, my big takeaway from your talk today, is really put yourself number one or you can't take care of other people. And I think a lot of times women as caregivers are used to holding everyone up and they're the last in line to take care of themselves and the time runs out. And so things just get put off until there's a problem. But I think uh, your words of wisdom on just make the time, put yourself in the list, get your screenings done so that you nip things in the bud before you end up with a big problem is good advice. As best you can, that is the Way to go. All right. Okay. Well, believe it or not, CW, we're to the end of our program today. National Women's Health Week. All of you women out there listening, um, please share. CW, we'll talk a little about that. I did want to um, tell you about one resource. If you, as listeners, go to womenshealth.gov, there is a big um, event. There are many, many screening tools on that website to help empower women to take care of their health right now. There's charts. Some of the... Um, Kind of guidelines that Dr. Patterson's gone over. You can print out there and go through yourself. There's a big social media thunderclap going on. There's many, many ways for our listeners to participate in National Women's Health Week.
0: Uh, great information. Clearly, some very simple, straightforward things that you can do that will head off some very life-changing illnesses. And it's it's funny how some of those simple things are some of the hardest things to get ourselves. To I think do, fear.
1: But, I mean, I think a yeah, lot. Of, I, I think, think time. Yeah. People don't make time. Yeah. And I think when they find something, they're fearful. And so they wait and wait and wait and I don't and
0: wait. want to be told I've got this or that. Well,
2: I would say one more thing. Of course, denial is not a big part of my personality. Mm-hmm. And I know that does play a role in a lot of people's lives. Put that aside. If there's an issue,
0: address it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't get caught when you... Find out, you know, ah, oh, I could have, I could have kept this from happening. It's, it's right. so simple. That's what we hope. If you haven't done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page is the Apple logo. That'll take you to the Top Docs Radio Show podcast in the iTunes Store. Subscribe to us. We've got great guests. Tanya is always introducing you to fantastic guests like Dr. Patterson here who shares some information to keep you and your loved ones healthy. So we hope you subscribe to us. And as Tanya was saying, please turn around and click share when you're listening to the show. You're going to put this out on LinkedIn or your other social media sites, and you could very well be putting information in the hands of somebody that means something to you that really makes a big difference for them. So we'll say thanks to the folks that do that and appreciate you making time to join us in the studio today, Dr. Patterson.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: And Tanya, great as always. See you next time. Always goes too fast. We'll see you next time. Good afternoon, everybody.